The following podcast is sponsored by you. If you'd like to donate to help us continue providing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there, please use the link in the show notes for this episode. Proceeds from your donations will be used to pay for hosting fees, which are the most expensive ongoing part of providing this show. Thank you in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. And that is how you treat a rival. That is how you lock a, you lock down a big win late in the season when you're going for a championship. Welcome to Rams Rewind. Live here in the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group, of course, also in podcast land. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching if you're watching it live. If you like what you hear, and I certainly hope you like what you hear tonight after, after a nice performance like that, and want to help us out and shoot us a little dinero like our good friend Timothy Sharp did. Thank you, Timothy, for doing that. We really appreciate it. You know, send it. There's a, there's a link in the description on Podbean. It's to PayPal. We'll shout you out in the pod when that hap- When you do that. We really appreciate it that you appreciate us and are willing to help us out and support this podcast. Whew. I'll tell you what, it's, such a, it's so funny the way this game was tonight because it couldn't have started worse in some respects. You know, their best player, Tyler Burton, who VCU has just had to, had to, had to voodoo on pretty much the whole time he's been here. I remember that very first time he played – and he was this big time recruit, and people at the and people at the at, at, were talking about him as an NBA prospect. And Keyshawn Curry just completely locked him up and and stuffed him and, and, and stuffed him and stuffed him away in a, in the closet, and he couldn't do nothing. All right, Chris Conway, enjoy those celebratory drinks. Thank you for watching, and thank you for watching later. So you know Tyler Burton's. He's had nothing but tough games against VCU, even in the tournament last year. Didn't shoot the ball well. He killed us at the foul line, and, of course, that made a big difference, and we lost that game in the A-10 tournament. And he goes and scores the first seven points and makes, I think, two of his third – I think his first three shots, and you're like, uh-oh. Guys like that, if they start hot, they usually stay hot. So you're a little concerned. And then they, he gets in foul trouble. Maybe there were some tough calls against him. I think the Richmond fans will probably have a gripe on that. Fine, fair enough. But he could never get really get in a rhythm after that. And VCU, you know, after a tough start defensively, you know, you, seven for nine. Richmond was seven for nine to start the game. They finished the game 15 of 42, and they had to make a bunch of shots at the end just to do that well because uh, they were they were struggling in the middle of the second half in this game and got, you know, and got almost to 50% by the end of the game. But that's the thing. Richmond was absolutely on fire. Seven of their first nine made their first three threes. And then VCU's defensive pressure and their depth started to tell, started to make a big difference. And and I said it at halftime, they looked tired. Because they did not have the lift on their on their shots. And when you look at it, they start the game three for three. 
They make one of their last 19 three-point shots. Can you – I mean, eight – I mean, and that's the thing. This is a team that made 17 of them the other night to beat St. Louis. You know, I think they made 11 in the second half. Well, you know what? Until a flurry at the end, they pretty much gave up on the three-point shot in the second half. They were one for four going into the last timeout, and then they missed their last five. And it just – it was – and well, but that's the thing, Bruce. That was the trade-off. We let Quinn have his way. This is not unlike what happened with Davidson last year with Brockovich, you know, where he had a huge game, but we kept their guards covered and they couldn't make anything. I mean, look, you know, all these guys that shoot all these threes, you know, Roach only made one. Gustafson didn't make any. He made a bunch of them against us in the tournament last year. Grace only made one. Burton only made one. We didn't fall in the trap tonight. And that's why I just have nothing but praise for Mike Rhodes and this defensive plan because we have been frustrated. And it, even in the last game it happened a little bit. There was a stretch where they kind of got they, – they fell in the trap and kept, you know, and kept collapsing on the inside when they shouldn't and giving up open threes. That happened against St. Joe's. Fortunately, St. Joe's didn't make enough of them for it to make a difference. They didn't do it tonight. You saw like one time with Bigelow, and that wasn't a three, it was a long two, where they tried to double-team Quinn, and he whipped it right out to Bigelow, and Bigelow made it. But by and large, they're like, all right, if you think you can win this game with big old Quinn doing that to us, you go right ahead. And it wasn't going to happen. If the game was close, it, 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 if the game was close, it was one thing. That's the other thing, too. Quinn got a lot of his points in the second half when the game was decided, he had 15 points in the second half. Burton had 11. The rest of them didn't do jack. So it's okay. You know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're down 15 or 16 and you think you can win, just whipping the ball inside to the to the big guy. Okay, but you better stop the other team from scoring for a long time. You better do what VCU did in the first half, which was hold Richmond scoreless for over seven minutes to turn this game around. So. One of the things I I like about this team, because this team was not a good defensive team at the start of the year. Don't forget, I think the first time that we looked at the Ken Palm numbers, they were barely in the top 50 in defensive efficiency. And this was January. It's about 10, 11 games in. So it was late December, early January when we started tracking it. And now they're up into the 20s, the mid-20s. So they have figured themselves out defensively for the most part. And what they've really done well, what they've really done well is, because early in the year they were giving up three pointers like it was going out of style. They're just not gonna, they're just not gonna let, you know, they're not gonna fall in the trap. They're not gonna play ring around the rosy on the perimeter and run after, you know, the ball until they can't get there and somebody takes an open three and hits it. No, we're not going back to that plan. That happens, that happened a lot in the early part of Mike Rhodes' tenure, and it stopped. And we saw it a couple of times last year and a couple of times this year. But by and large, we're not doing that. And, it, and you see the payoff there. I mean, Richmond Richmond quit taking the three until the very end of the game, and they still couldn't hit them. They still couldn't hit them. So that's where that goes. And, and here's the thing. VCU absolutely dominated on the boards, even though they didn't make it pay off in terms of second-chance points. Why? 
when you're when you're relying that much on the outside shot, then you're absolutely then you're not going to be in good rebounding position a lot of the time. Look at look at the key stretch in the first half, and it, and and when they finally started taking advantage of those second chance opportunities after they couldn't early in the game because I could I've never seen anything like what I saw in the first eight minutes where it's eight zero in offensive rebounds to VCU. And it's zero zero in second chance points. If you if I if you if I hadn't seen it myself, I wouldn't have believed it because I've never seen anything like that. But look at the key stretch when they got away in the late part of the first half. What was it? Hard drives to the basket by guys like Banks and Kern, <coughs> and the defense and the and the defense rotates to them. They miss the shot, but there's Deloach to stick it back in, and that's. That's the whole game sometimes, folks. It really can be as simple as that. It can really be as simple as that. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great team win, Frank Height. It was, it was a great team win. And Brian Mahanwitty, you're absolutely right about how much fun it is to watch this team play defense like that. Because, I mean, Richmond had something going with Quinn, but what they couldn't do was string anything together. They really couldn't. They couldn't string anything together on offense, and every time they scored, VCU seemed to respond. It was really a tremendous game. And you said, Daniel Carlos said it. You know, Toby the Wall doesn't end up playing a lot of minutes. I would have liked to have seen him and Banks more in the second half. And I understand why it didn't happen because, in part, the starters were playing well. But Lawall and Banks gave this team a jolt along with Kern. Those three guys. That 26-6 run started with them. Started with them. Toby Lawall grabbing that alley-oop, that lob pass, which was a terrible pass, by the way. Let me say that. It was a terrible pass from Baldwin. If it's anybody else but Lawall, that's going out of bounds. Lawall, I mean, up in the clouds, skywalking to get that thing and slams it down. And that really... The crowd went nuts, and you could just see in Richmond, you could see Richmond kind of no moss a little bit. It was, it was they, they were, they were not ready to quit on the stool then. Drivers um, uh, to Deloach wasn't good either, but Deloach could at least get a fingertip on that. Deloach can't get up like Lawal. Lawal needed every bit of that forty-six inch leap that he has to get that ball. To get that ball. Bruce, it's an interesting thought. It was a blessing in disguise in the sense that it did get the wall in the game. But I want to praise Deloach because by and large, remember, he got the very first foul in the game. It was a ticky-tack foul. And then he stayed in the game for most of that first half and played really well. And got those key stick backs. He didn't do much in the second half in part because of foul trouble. But still, 10 points, 8 boards. You can't argue with that. Second best on the team for rebounds in the game today. You know, he did a great job. And again, here's another thing. Four guys in double figures. Four guys in double figures. And yes, Carlos Diaz, the, the Rhodes Army effect was huge tonight because it, it wore Richmond down, and, you could, and that's why they couldn't make any of those threes and those jumpers weren't going in. And that's why they went to quit as much as they did because they knew if they kept taking jumpers – it was going to be brick, 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 brick. That's what it was. But four guys in double figures tonight. 
And think about how bad Ace Baldwin started this game. I commented on it in the game thread, which, again, is one of the reasons you should be a member of the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group because our game threads are really good. Ace Baldwin was 0 for 3 from the field. He had two turnovers. He had no assists. That start of that game looked like <coughs> both the St. Bonaventure and Rhode Island games where he shot 6 of 31 from the field. He was pressing. He was not making good decisions. Doug Hines pointed out, too, he was, he was playing too fast. He didn't have one good take early in that game. And then all of a sudden, he warmed up, and, and then, you know, he makes that three at the end of the half, and he walks out of that half with 10 points and two assists. And it's like, wow, where did that come from? Because he was nowhere in the first eight minutes. He was really struggling. Then we get to the second half. And again, this is the ace I love. Six assists, one turnover in the second half. Great passing. You know, making some just finding some guys in the perfect spot. And again, look at look at this offense. Yeah, they, I mean, we kind of slowed down a little bit because the game was out of hand. But in the second half, over 50% from the field, eight to ten from the foul line, too. Taking a lot of good shots, end up with 36 in the second half, only one less in the first half. And remember, they took 37 shots in the first half to get 37 points. So 25 shots to get 36, that kind of tells a story right there. You know, they had 10. That's the other thing. This second half, 10 assists, three turnovers. 10 assists, 13 made baskets. That is elite offense right there. That is, that is making the extra pass. Because I said it early, they were one pass short a lot in the, in the early part of the game. Not so in the second half. They're sharing the ball. They're moving without the basketball. And the offense is humming. And that's even with, that's even with them drifting a little bit at the end of the game because the game's out of hand. That's, that's even with that. So, you know, again, tremendous night from Ace. 18, eight assists, five rebounds. I want to say he had a couple steals too. Let's see here. Yeah, he had a couple. St- he had two, he had four steals and two blocks. Ace did so stuff in the stat sheet, big time, big time stuff in the stat sheet tonight. Um, by the way, call out to Jameer Watkins. Not only leading leading the team in rebounding with nine boards, leading the team in plus minus with plus sixteen. Jameer Watkins. You know, kind of, it, it's easy not it's it's easy to, for it to go unnoticed because all the other things that happened. Really tremendous game out of him tonight. You know, didn't force but one or two shots. Had a couple of nice drives into the paint and great attacks and was really under control. And Daniel Carter, yes, the turnovers. He only had seven turnovers for the game. Only seven turnovers. So you know, I mean, that's the thing. They get 73, and you think about all those shots they missed in the first half, especially close in, you know, 37 field goal attempts. Although, again, one for nine, and then they were 50% for the rest of the half after being one for nine. But really, seven turnovers is outstanding. I mean, if if VCU can't win with only seven turnovers, something's really wrong. Something is really wrong. So it doesn't matter that Richmond only had 11. Doesn't matter at all. Um, 
By the way, VCU did win points off turnovers, uh, eleven to eight anyway. So that that's all right. But th- this again, this is this is high bar stuff. Sixteen assists on twenty eight field goals. Yes, please. I'll take it every time. I'll take it every time. Nearly two to one assist to turnover. Actually, over two to one. Sixteen assists, seven turnovers. Sorry, there ain't many teams in this country that's going to beat VCU doing that. Um. Oh, if you want to call your dad, oh, just you know what? I don't do it, and I, I I'm not going to do any gloating in this regard because we've been here. We were here last year. VCU swept Richmond. The first game was close. The second game, VCU kind of pulled away. Then what happened in the tournament? I'll be perfectly honest. I really would like Richmond again in the tournament so that we could pay it all the way back. Pay it all the way back. Because even though they won tonight and it's great, they still got that. They still got the tournament win over us and the fact that they went on to win the tournament. <coughs> win a tournament game, too. Don't forget. Actually, winning the NCAAs and won. So, Bradley Heath, I can understand where you're coming from. I'm not sure I can do too much floating based on that. Uh, well, Daniel Carter, we didn't get to the line a lot. Second half, very good. 8 to 10. 8 to 10 in the second half. Can't argue with that. You'd like to be more, obviously. Uh, you'd like it to, to be more, but that's okay. Uh, Carlos Diaz, I think that's a very, very smart point. Carlos Diaz asked about the hangover from the big comeback against St. Louis. I don't think there's any question that there was. Because, look, you know, you make you, – you, a team like them that makes 17 threes in a game you, and takes 30 out of 37, they shouldn't be getting tired in the first half and losing the lift on their jumpers. That's, got, that's exactly what happened. And, he, and it was continuing the rest of the way. You know, they didn't make a lot of jumpers in the second half either. Why? I, don't, I think there absolutely was a little bit of – there was a little bit of a physical letdown. And, and, and it's tough because, you know, in your head – you're like, well, shoot, I'm a young kid, and I'm strong, and I'm, I'm in good shape. I can hit these jumpers and all that, but it does. But, but your body is going to say something different. And the key is recognizing it and saying, okay, I don't have this, so I need to attack the basket. And that, and and it's going to be, and it's tough because they got Quinn who can do that, and Burton can kind of do that. The rest of them aren't very good at that. Most of the rest of these guys, Gustafson, uh, uh, Roach, uh, Randolph, Nelson, they're not slashers. So, you know, if they're too tired to make jump shots, you kind of have to just shrug your shoulders and go, oh, well. And I think that's really, you know, Richmond, it was, it was going to be tough for Richmond based on that. They didn't really have a plan B. And, and of course, not that it mattered last year, but a putative third game with VCU, if there is one, is going to take place either with Richmond having played the night before and VCU not having played, or they're both playing on a back-to-back. And again, VCU playing 10 players, VCU is better equipped or should be for that kind of tournament basketball because of the fact that they're playing more players. Because they did. They ground... Richmond down to a nub. And when you look at Richmond's game, when you look at this box score from Richmond, 
you see two guys, Burton, Quinn, that almost get 40 points combined, and that's great. Nobody made a free throw other than them. They were both, they made all the free throws that Richmond that, that Richmond had. Everybody else was over. And they make 14 of 24, which is great. The rest of the team is 8 of 27. And it's and that is just not gonna work. Not unless somebody has a Gilliard type game against us. It's not gonna happen. You know, Bruce, and I don't disagree with you. You know, the thing is, Quinn's very skilled. So, yes, there were a few times when he was pulling a Brockovich and a Menenga and using his arm to create the space. But because he's very skilled, he can all, he's also very skilled at hiding it. And it's not an easy thing to spot. And to be perfectly honest, they let, they let VCU get away with that a few times too. Maybe not by Deloach per se, but, but there were times when VCU was kind of using their arms a little bit to arm bar and create the space. And again, I'll live with that if it's consistent. I will live with it if it's consistent. It was consistent. Yeah, Burton's foul trouble early was huge, Brian Mahonwitty, because he was in a rhythm early and sitting the bench for a long time. He had to take him out of it. And it's interesting because they were talking about how, you know, if, if Burton gets two fouls, he barely ever plays. I, I was surprised because when it started to get away from them, he had to get back in there. Granted, he had been a defensive liability, but you got to. You just can't leave him in there. Uh, Ack- Jeffrey Ackerman, I don't know about tonight. I thought Watkins was good tonight. Watkins, four for six from the field. He had 11 points, nine boards. It's a shame he didn't get the double-double because he deserved it. And he played some good defense. I was pretty happy with Watkins' play tonight. I really was. Um. Kali Moses, 13 and 3. 13 and 3. I gotta tell you, folks, I I would not have predicted that in December. I would not have predicted 13 and 3 in this conference. I certainly wouldn't have predicted it after the Duquesne game. What a turnaround. And this coaching staff deserves credit. These players deserve credit. Because that Duquesne game, as I've talked about before, that was that was absolutely rock bottom. That was Easily their worst performance that year, this year, and and they had they had to look at themselves, and they had to ask some hard questions and have some hard conversations with each other. Well, they lost twice since, and they probably should have won both of those games. And it's a great question. Whoever just asked it, somebody just asked it. Now I gotta go back and look. Um, Corey Parrott, yes. Who is gonna be the hot get one the next game? Who knows? Who knows? And that's what's so great. That's what's so great is that it's difficult for the other team to prepare because, again, you're thinking, well, I got to stop Baldwin. Well, I got to stop this guy. And that can be true. But Ace Baldwin didn't have, didn't have a fabulous game at St. Joe's, and VCU won easily because Jaden Nunn went crazy. Look at the first Richmond game. Your leading scorer in the first Richmond game this year was Jameer Watkins off the bench. Nobody would have seen that coming, especially then, because he'd had he'd had a he had a tough period right before that, right before that, and so it's just you don't know. Yeah, okay, you got to stop Deloach. Well, Deloach doesn't have a good game. Johns probably will. That's how it's gone this year. I'm sure Jaden Nunn was a big focus for the Spiders tonight, and they did a decent job on him. He only had seven points, but what you didn't see. None do 
was take 15 shots, and a lot of them were bad shots, and throw possessions away. And that's the other thing I, I, I got to say tonight. One of, the, one of the best things about this performance tonight, VCU did not just toss away possessions. They didn't come down and, for the most part, jack a shot up in the first 10, 15 seconds. Didn't happen. They made Richmond defend, which, again, that contributed – that contributed to Richmond's struggles shooting the ball because they had to defend for 20, 25, or even 30 seconds most of this game, and it tired them out. And that's the thing. You're not going to score on every possession, and sometimes you're not going to get a good shot on every possession. But if you make that other team defend for 25 or 30 seconds almost every time, it's going to be tough. Unless they play as many people as VCU does, it's going to be tough. It's going to wear on them. It absolutely will, and it happened tonight. Um, and Bruce Stevenson, we we pointed it out in the group this week because I saw the tweet. It was from VCU Ram Nation about seven different Rams have led this team in scoring in conference play, and we went through the list. And it's it's fantastic to have that many different people be the guy. And yes, Bruce Stevenson, that's absolutely right. Most of their shots were good shots. They forced about three or four, which, again, when you take 62 shots and we're only talking about a handful, barely a handful of bad shots, it's okay. It's okay. Corey Parrott, don't worry about Shriver because you know what Shriver's not doing? He's not forcing shots. He took one three to nine. He missed that. To me, one of the great plays of this game that was emblematic, Shriver – Spots up, gets the pass, thinks he's going to take the three. Could have taken the three. He'd have probably missed it. Fakes the pass, goes into the lane. Two spiders come to him. The way the game had started, I'm, I'm expecting him to throw up a bad off-balance shot and it get rebounded. No. He whips it in the corner to Kern. Now Kern, having made a three in his last game, could have said, ah, I made a corner three in the last game. I'll take another one. No. What does Nick Kern do? He drives along the Kern line or the baseline for the rest of those folks out there that call it that and gets and gets a shot up and in and gets fouled, gets the and one. And I'm just like, I mean, that is that that tells you that play as much as any play symbolizes how good this team is when they're using their head. And that was the perfect example. So David Shriver. He may very well get hot soon. And if it happens at the tournament, that would be awesome. But what I love is that David Shriver is not going to do what he did in a few games early this season and just force it and try to make try to make something happen that's not there and take a bunch of bad shots and miss them all. Oh, yeah, and, and Kern had that pass very early in the game too. <laughs> he, he, I mean, that was ace-like, almost behind his back to cutting Banks, and Banks gets the layup. That was a great play. Kern had a lot of good plays tonight. Ten, ten points, uh, two boards, an assist. Juiced the crowd up. Juiced the crowd up big time. I think he had – I want to say he had a block shot too because he's, he's kind of – he's almost – yeah, he had two uh, – let me see here. No, he didn't have a block tonight because he's usually been good for that too. He's been, he's been very good for things like that. <laughs> Excuse me. So – Great job by everybody. And again, you think about last year. This was we're getting we're getting to that point now. We're getting to that point. 
like we were last year where things are things have fallen in the direction and now it's like everything's in front of us. And of course last year we had to get help and we got it and then we blew it at St. Louis in that final game. A little bit different this time because we control our own destiny and now it's two games to go. You know, and and it's an and the last home game is coming up against those doggone Billigans. That's a huge game, obviously. Tuesday night again, CBS Sports Network, so that might make it a little more difficult for me to watch. We'll see about that. But you know, this this is a we're in a great sit we're in a great situation. And here's the key. Here is the key here. The way this thing is shaken out. If we can get Fordham to finish ahead of St. Louis, then VCU might be might get the number one seed if they manage to lose another game. Because they've got the tiebreaker with Dayton. The first one is head-to-head. It's a split. So then they start going down the, 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 the conference. How did you do against this team compared to that team? I'm pretty sure Dayton has lost to Fordham. I'm going to look that up right now, but I'm pretty sure – if memory serves, Dayton lost to Fordham when they played because I think they played at the Rose Hill Gym. And I'm gonna I'm looking it up right now. Uh, no, they actually beat the snot out of Fordham, so that's wrong. Oh well, so that won't be it. So forget that. Fordham finishing at St. Louis ain't gonna do anything over Fordham because Dayton's beating them too. So again, the tiebreaker could be about could be could be could depend on who finishes above who. So it's going to be critical for us to beat St. Louis because the chances are, I hate to say this, that Dayton's probably going to beat St. Louis again because they've absolutely owned St. Louis. Here's the other thing to look at. we got to start looking at 7, 8, 9, and 10. Because with the win tonight, we've almost got a top 2C uh, uh, wrapped up here. Uh, it was I saw I put it out in the, in the – um, I think I put it out in the Facebook page. If I didn't – the guy who was doing the, the bracket math for the A-10 put it out there. And if you took the chances for a one or a two seed, going into tonight it was 98% that VCU was going to finish um, as either the one or the two seed. So that's that's what's happened there. So now we got to start looking at 8, 9, and 10 because that's, that's who we're going to be dealing with, which means – could be a third time with Richmond. And as I said, I kind of want that because I really want to pay back uh, that championship game here. Whoops, I hit the wrong thing here. So we look at the old standings, which are annoyingly not updated. And see, this is the problem. It is such a doggone car crash in the middle of this conference. So you've got, let's see here. So VCU, Dayton, Fordham, St. Louis, that's your top four. The Duke, Kane, and George Mason is Currently five and six. So George Washington, LaSalle, Richmond, St. Joe's, St. Bonaventure, Davidson, any of them could be seven, eight, nine, or ten. And that's who we're looking at, unless somehow 10, 15 upsets 10. And if that happens, we can get to that there. And yes, if we play Richmond a third time and beat them and hopefully beat their brains in like we did for most of tonight. Then, Bradley Heath, you can laugh at your dad, make fun of him all you want. Um, well, you know what, Carlos Diaz? Normally I'd agree with you about playing Rhode Island in a tournament. But I really think on a neutral floor, 
I think we'd have our stuff together and be ready for them. And I'll be honest, if by some miracle we play Rhode Island, we might be looking at a team that's going to be playing its fourth game of the tournament. Because they're in that, they're absolutely in the pillow fight. They're going to be one of those teams playing on Tuesday. Um, and if we're the one seed, we're not going to be playing one of those teams 10 through 15 until at least the semifinals, if at all. So, yeah, right. Well, Duquesne probably not because they're nine and six. I mean, I guess it theoretically is possible that they could be in, this, in the seven, eight, nine, or ten. Um, but it's you know it's looking like Mason or Watt, GW, Richmond, LaSalle, Saint Joe, Saint Bonaventure, Davidson. It's probably one of those. So that's what we got to start watching for is seven, eight, nine, and ten. Because quite frankly. I think it's I think it's almost a certainty at this point that VCU is going to finish one or two. Um, theoretically, St. Louis could still get us if we lost the last two, and they won their last three. Uh, we they, we could lose a tiebreaker with them, but it's it's almost a certainty now that we're going to get a top two spot. And again, that's critical because if you're for one or if you're one of the two seed, you play the first game of the quarterfinal session. On Thursday, that's important. So, Tuesday night, should be able to watch the game. Whether I can watch it on a TV or if I have to do a stream is is kind of up for debate. But should be here with you in the live and the good and the bad and the ugly group to talk about St. Louis. Last game of the season at home. Hoping it to sell out. If you haven't got tickets, get them. Because we need to we need to support this team. And get and, and here's the thing. To be perfectly honest, I want this to be the last home game of the season because I don't want to be playing in IT games at the Siegel Center. No dis- no disrespect to the NIT. I don't want to do that this year. So let's make this last home game a really rousing one, and then we can talk about that the final game of the season against George Washington, where, again, VCU fans I've known have been known to get up there and take that arena over. I'd certainly like to see that with a possible conference championship on the line. By the way, I want to point this out because Carlos Diaz mentioned it. That Dayton game really hurts because if they'd have won that Dayton game, they would have probably clinched the number one seed tonight. And that's that's where that one really hurts. But can't cry over that now. It's done. Two games to go. Two wins equals a regular season championship and the number one seed. And that is what we want this year of all years. That is what we want. Because we could have lunacy in this tournament. And let's have all the lunacy on the other side of the bracket. And nothing to do with us. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for watching in the live here in the Good and the Magnalia group. Thank you for the comments. We really appreciate it. If you want to help us out, the link in the description on Podbean and your other podcast platforms to the PayPal. We really appreciate your support. Thank you all for listening. See you Tuesday night. One step closer to that 8-10 regular season championship. It's, it's, it's something worth celebrating. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind. <laughs>